Welcome, uh, inappropriate Earl podcast fans. You know, I've had hundreds of musicians, comics, actors, wrestlers. Today is my first plastic surgeon. And I met this man many years ago uh, when I had two scars on my forehead that I thought were from a female hockey player high-sticking me. And it was very curious because they would disappear and then they'd show up again, disappear and then show up again. And it was like a magical wound. And then finally they didn't disappear anymore. And I'm like, these aren't hockey scars. So I asked a comedy friend of mine, uh, do you know any good plastic surgeons? And he referred me to the man that's on my screen right now, Dr. Gall. That's good enough. What I want to know, Earl, is how come you even had to specify that it was a female hockey player? Well, because they're very rare. Uh, There's (laughs) not many female hockey players. Uh, So to me, it was just funny. I I remember the play, which has nothing to do with the surgery you gave me, but I thought it did, uh, where I was, we were both going for the puck. I think she thought I was going to hit her, which I wouldn't have. And she put her stick in my forehead. And that's what I thought the wounds were. And, um, you know, it, it was weird because they would, come and go like one, one week they'd be there. And then the next week I'd have a clear forehead and then uh, they stopped not disappearing. And I later through your incredible eyes that you have skin cancer, which uh, was, was kind of scary to be honest uh, because uh, you know, you hear the word cancer, you, even though it was the, the good, not the good kind, but the, not the, yeah, I guess the dangerous kind. Uh, it was still scary to hear that. Um, so my reason for going to a plastic surgeon was very, uh, I guess, health reasons. Um, why do you find most people go to a plastic surgeon? Is it cosmetic or, in my case, like I needed to go? It, it really depends on the person, right, on the, on the practice that you have. Because there's many different types of plastic surgeons that do all kinds of stuff. And especially, you know, here we both live in L.A. I mean, you got like literally thousands of plastic surgeons. We're like roaches over here. And it's very specialized. So each person might be um, really good at one particular thing or really specialized in one thing. So it's really hard to say, like, why people go to a plastic surgeon in general. Well, what I loved about you was, uh, you know, I went to a few, I guess, consultations and, uh, you know, let's just say their bedside manner wasn't the best. Um, and you were like funny, you know, I remember when I said, can you make me look, uh, better? And he's, and you were like, Earl, I'm only a plastic surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to compensate for my looks with a better sense of humor. I figure. Well, that, you know how it is. If anyone knows what that's like, it's you. Well, with that voice, you should get into voiceovers. Um, like, okay. well, I mean, you talk about uh, being in a competitive field. How do you go about, I mean, is it 
I mean, you're so established by now. I imagine most of your clients come to you word of mouth. Like, you know, I've recommended several people to you because I, I'm, I don't like getting my teeth cleaned, let alone you digging into my forehead. I didn't feel a second of pain. I honestly, I don't remember. What did I even do? I don't even remember. Did we? Uh, yeah, two uh, baby scars. You can't even see them. Uh, two oh, scars. we actually cut them out? I you did. Okay. And I remember uh, you had a gentleman, like not your assistant, but uh, I think he worked in the lab. And you're like, hey, we got to take this chunk of your forehead out. And uh, we got to send it down to the lab and see if we got all of it. And uh, I remember, Jesus, that sounds like I could be awake and, and in pain. And uh, I was just very impressed with your technical skills because I didn't feel anything. And uh, so I, and my, no one knows I had surgery because of you. Um, so I guess to the cosmetic reasons, why do you think, I'm always curious as to why someone gets plastic surgery like i know i have a big nose but i love it but i'm sure if i came in tomorrow you go oh, we could like trim the tip and we could do this we could do that uh is it yeah look it's it's about ease i i think yeah, i'll tell you for years i'm like oh man plastic surgery everybody's into it because of the media and because people talk about it i firmly believe that if it was easy, people would have gone plastic surgery for all kinds of random things for thousands of years. And, and really, it's just about ease now. So, you know, as a plastic surgeon, our job in the aesthetic side of it, right? So, I mean, there's the aesthetic and then there's like the reconstructive and all that. That's totally different. But if we're talking about the aesthetic side, it's it's really just about making it as simple as possible for someone, Right. Because you're people are only willing to jump through so many hoops to get something. Okay, so like right now, right, you're doing a podcast, and it's it's easy for people to listen to it if they want to. They click on a couple of little links and boom, it's up. If you had to make someone jump through a bunch of hoops, nobody would listen to you. Right. So it's just your job is to make it easy. Right, make it easy to for people to find you to listen to you, and the job of a plastic surgeon is to make it easy too. Like, oh, can, you know, look, we could just do this, this, this. It's simple. So it's about reducing friction. Like, I get uh, why certain people, if you have like breast cancer, you know, you you want to uh, maybe get implants to fill that void. Um, you know, if you have a big nose or, a, you know, a droopy skin, maybe under your jawline. But sometimes I look at, uh, I'll say uh, Mickey Rourke. And now uh, Mickey Rourke to me was a really good looking guy. And I realized that he was a boxer and, and maybe suffered some injuries, you know, broken nose or whatever. But like, I, I was like, oh, he did too much. Can, can someone do too much plastic surgery? I mean, yeah, sure. It's a matter of taste sometimes. Uh, look, it's easy for us to spot the bad, but a lot of people don't really talk about the good or maybe they talk about the few people that look really awesome and then they ignore the you know 99% in the middle that are just 
you know, subtle results and maybe they just feel better or look better. We don't talk about them. Uh, it's easy to kind of pinpoint the, the really bad situations like Mickey Rourke. Um, you know, but it could be good. And again, if, if you knew that you can have a great result and it's going to be super easy, you probably be, be more open to changing something. I mean, I don't know if it's uh, confidence or like, I, I don't mind having a wrinkle or two and uh, say on the forehead, I'm sure Botox, which is probably one of the least painful procedures uh, could do me good at 53, but uh, I'm okay with how I look. Uh, I mean, I'm not as good looking as you, but who is? Oh, thanks, man. You're making me blush here. <laughs> uh, look, it, it's a matter of like, what is our uh, sense of self derived from? Okay. And, and maybe someone like you who's lived the way that you have. And yes, maybe your sense of self comes from a lot of other things. And it's easy for you to be like, ah, you know, I don't need to focus on how I look. And, but it's hard. Sometimes it kind of sucks us in and I can't speak for everyone. Right. I can, I can speak for myself. I can sometimes speak for some of my patients and their experience, but we all have our reality and it's all, it's all just very different. How much of your work is fixing other surgeons, uh, not necessarily mistakes, but maybe someone comes in with, and I don't mean like the show botched, you know, where they seem to focus more on the cartoonish, uh, areas of plastic surgery, but, uh, do you often fix other surgeons, uh, quote unquote, mistakes? You know, I'll tell you the tricky part, right? One's, one man's assessment of something as a mistake is another person's you know, assessment that they actually really desire it. All right. So we have to be careful. If someone comes to me and to me, I'm like, oh, man, that's a I hate that rhinoplasty. I mean, I'm not going to say something, right? Because they might like it. And I'm not going to be the guy who gives them a complex about something that doesn't bother them. So it's just a matter of taste. And, and maybe there's people out there who you don't like the way that they look, and but they're really happy. Just like someone might look at you or me and be like, man, why don't they fix that about themselves? Um, it's, it's really, it's such a personal thing. And, and you got to learn to just, Really, the, the good thing is to try to learn and not judge. Right? It's very easy for us to judge. And sometimes even when we're judging, we don't think we're judging. We don't realize that we're so judgmental, but we are. And, and yeah, we're part of the problem. Even when we're judging, when we say someone shouldn't do something, it's still a judgment. I mean, did a show like Nip Tuck, uh, which I love, uh, how realistic, and I know it's been off the air for a few years, but I... You know, it's on reruns forever. Uh, how realistic was like the consultation part of that show? Did you ever watch that show? I did. I remember I watched the first season and then it's like just went off the deep end. It just got to be so, so nuts. But, you know, it's it's it, it's interesting because it brought forth a generation of plastic surgeons because I remember I was like just getting out of my residency when that show is on the air. And uh, I think a lot of people watch shows like that and think that that's what the field is. And it almost kind of shaped them as to what kind of plastic surgeon they were going to become. 
So, right, because you get shaped and you're like, oh, well, maybe this is how I have to be if I want to be a plastic surgeon. So it's, it's very intertwined as to what's real and what's not, because sometimes it just kind of the crazy gets manifest. Yeah, no, I would say after season two, it was a little wacky, uh, you know, but uh, I still watched every season. Uh, do you work with a lot of models, uh, male and female, who, you know, they're their whole job is their face uh, and their body, I guess, uh, if they're like a swimsuit model. Uh, and when they come in, I guess your job is they're asking you to make them look young forever. Uh, do you go on what they want? And I know you just said you don't like to judge someone coming in. Uh, or if you think they want to do something that's maybe too aggressive, do you? wean them into another area it's it's a big discussion right and again it's kind of a you know we have to be careful when we're talking about certain people when it's their career right it's like for example i totally understand if i was a professional baseball player and everybody around me was doing steroids and i'm trying to feed my family uh, i mean whether or not i'm against it or not, at some point, I'm going to start wondering whether or not I should just start taking it myself. Okay. And just like, you know, in your field, let's say you're just not that funny, right? <laughs> you stop being that funny, which I'm not saying you're not funny, Earl. I'm just saying, let's say that day comes oh, and, <laughs> and someone approaches you and says, Hey, listen, Earl, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a bunch of really great material. You could use it for yourself. And then you, you realize all the other comics are doing the same thing. They're buying jokes or they have writers or whatever. And you're like, well, shit, why not? Like, maybe I should. So, again, it's, it's, it's when someone comes in and it is their livelihood, it's you got to be like, hey, you know, it's it's you, you almost think of it as an investment more than a vanity thing. Oh, no. I mean, when I was uh, in the late 80s and early 90s, there was this uh, I used to really follow pro bodybuilding. And I was just obsessed with the size with the guys and the girls, too. But there was this one black bodybuilder who would always finish around number 15, 16 in, in Mr. Olympia. And uh, he was known for his incredible work ethic. And I asked my friend, hey, how come he doesn't ever get in the top 10? He's like, oh, he's the only natural one. Uh, and he never did steroids. So he never got. So I get what you're saying. Uh, you know, I know with podcasting, uh, there's a lot of podcasts that buy listeners. Uh, and I did that for a bit because I was just like, it was exactly what you said. Uh, I was just like, if everyone's doing it or most everyone's doing it, so that I, I can see that relating to plastic surgery, you know, uh, you know, I know Look, it's, it's a strange time. Like I have mothers dragging in their teenage daughters to get stuff done or, you know, they'll come and they'll be like, oh, man, I got to convince my daughter to get a nose job. And I'm like, oh, man, leave your daughter alone. Right. It's like she's not into it. Just leave her alone. Um, it's it's uh, but you can see it from the mo mother's point of view They're They just want. You know, it's in line with wanting the best for your child, right? Like you think that maybe you'll have greater opportunities or options if you look a certain way in our society. And it's not 
a bad way of thinking. I mean, it's really in line with society. So what's right, what's wrong, who knows? What's the most common uh, surgery, uh, cosmetic surgery that men get? Hairline, uh, hair stuff or? Uh, you know? Probably, I would say like, you know, guys get a lot of hair grafts. Uh, it's probably up there. Um, you know, they, they do other things too, but I, I would guess, I mean, I don't know the statistics, but it makes sense that hair would be the number one thing for men. Well, I have a serious question. I know uh, I don't want to get you in trouble with uh, the answer, but uh, it's it's going to sound like I'm asking you a joke, but I'm really not. You know, I know women can enhance their uh, their their busts uh, to varying degrees, uh, not necessarily bigger, but maybe more shapelier or, or, or a lift. Uh, can men? Um, <laughs> Can they uh, make their thingy down? Say it. Just say it. Are there dicks? <laughs> you want me just to answer it without you asking? Yeah, you that'd be ask. good. I mean, are there dick <laughs> surgeries like that? Oh, yeah. Dick surgery has been around for, for decades. You got like, you know, anywhere from uh, there's this little ligament you can cut down there and that helps pull out the, the, the dick by like sometimes another inch or so, um, you know, there's people injecting, whether it's fat or filler or putting fascia in there to try to make it thicker. Um, yeah, all kinds of stuff. There's people with erectile dysfunction and, you know, they're, they don't respond to even the medications and they get like these penile implants uh, with like literally like a little pump in their scrotum that they just kind of pump it up whenever they want, they want it to get hard. Uh, it's been around for, for yeah, decades. It's don't like, act like you haven't done research, Earl. Well, I don't have a problem in that area, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I only asked because without naming the guy, because he's a famous uh, 80s musician, he had done a lot of drugs and, uh, you know, you know, it's the 80s, a lot of a lot. And uh, I knew a girl who was uh, having relations with him. And she told me that he injected pork fat into, yeah. into his, uh, you know, dick. And it couldn't work because it just swelled up. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I think he didn't go to a doctor, though. He did it himself. So I could see uh, where the problems could, could uh, arise there. But so you've done that kind of surgery. No, no, it's, it's, I don't do that. I mean, I'm aware of it being done, but I don't, I don't, I don't play with dicks. Well, uh, <laughs> nothing wrong with it, Earl. Nothing wrong with it for those 100%. who are into it. It's just no. not for me. Now, I, well, I can't believe there's a specific uh, area of plastic surgery where there is a dick special. Oh, yeah, yeah. Google it. I'm sure you'll find a few just here in LA. Uh, I just hope my picture doesn't pop up. Uh, <laughs> your before and after <laughs> Boy, that must be doozy pictures in the office uh and on the i guess the same question i know there's uh vaginal rejuvenation and, and stuff like that women can get i guess they want a tighter maybe after having kids or, or something to that nature yeah yeah i mean there's all there's all kinds of stuff out there man i mean i remember going down a rabbit hole. I mean, this is a long time ago, so I don't know what they're doing now. Uh, 
like maybe a decade plus ago, uh, it ran, you know, it's ran into some articles about, uh, basically surgeries to make people taller. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take three more, four more inches in that direction. Uh, and then, you know, you read about the surgeries. I'm like, oh man, that's brutal. I ain't, I ain't doing that. But I mean, if there was some magical surgery right now where it was super easy and quick and painless and, and it made me four inches taller, yeah, I'd sign up for that. Yeah, but you know, uh, yeah, every guy wants to be taller. Uh, I mean, most guys, most guys, yeah. I mean, I don't know for what, right? It's like I think about it, and, and it's like, well, I know for what, but if you think it's almost inconvenient to be really tall. Not everything is made for tall people, but I mean, yeah, for I'm married now, so kind of don't need to worry about it. But if I was a single, you're a single guy. There's a big difference between being like let's say five, six and, you know, five, 11. Oh yes. Unless you got a couple million dollars in the bank. Uh, yeah. And even then, even then, then, you know, the only reason is those couple of million dollars. A hundred percent. It's, it's yeah. about the bulge in the back of your pocket for some of these broads, but uh, that's another podcast. What, what's the most uh, painless uh, non-surgical uh Oper- not operation procedure that uh, someone could do if they wanted to be a little more youthful. I mean, assuming like Botox fillers, stuff like that. Yeah. You got stuff like that. You've got like laser stuff and things like there's all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, there's, there's always going to be market for a market for super easy, painless things. And then like, I have a transgender friend of mine who is going, uh, I guess she's going in for the facial I don't know if it's called facial feminization surgery, but uh, like where they, I guess they, she said they were going to shave her jawline a little bit. Uh, That sounds incredibly painful. What's the most painful uh, surgery, I guess, a cosmetic surgery that people go through? You know, I don't know. Cause you know, I do a lot of face stuff. And they tend to not be as painful as some of the body things, but there's, there's still, again, it's also like a patient experience. Sometimes with the same surgery, someone might experience a lot more pain than somebody else. Um, it's just a lot of factors. Um, you know, our job, at least I try to make it as good of an experience as possible and as easy as possible. And, but it's surgery, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of factors and it's unpredictable. Um, what made you want to be a plastic surgeon? Uh, at the time, at the time, I, I, I wanted to be able to control my own lifestyle. That was number one factor. I mean, I always wanted to be a surgeon and a lot of fields in surgery, you're you're basically working for the man, right? You're, you got bureaucracy to contend with and insurance companies and hospitals. And, and I just wasn't into it. And I felt like plastic surgery, you can control things a little bit more. Um, but, but I loved it. I love it. And just all just being able to help people that have insecurities. It's really, it's really great. I mean, someone comes and they're insecure about something or something's bothering them and you could, you could potentially eliminate it and, and make them feel a lot better about themselves or if they're being bullied about something. 
and you can just give them a new lease on life. It's not bad. You know, it's a great feeling. Listen, we're not, we're not like brain surgeons, but it's still, it's still a good feeling helping someone. Oh, I mean that I'm still high off of what you did for mine. I guess confidence. Cause I was very, after a while, you know, when they, the two wounds did not, you know, I still don't understand how one week they were there and one week they weren't. And then, you know, like I said, they, I was incredibly self-conscious. I would put makeup on them and mm. went and bought these special band-aids that were like flesh colored, uh, just to like, I didn't leave the house sometimes it's just, especially being a comic, you know, it, you're on stage and you know, the lights are pretty bright on your forehead area. I was like, these. And right. And, and for all, you know, it was something that, that literally nobody noticed, but you noticed. And sometimes that's how it is. It gets in our head and no one else might even notice, but bothers us. And it does affect our, our confidence. Well, I mean, I guess the most confusing thing to me still is I never really laid out in the sun a lot. Uh, do you find some people get skin cancer even though they don't uh, necessarily yeah. lay out or yeah just like some people might get lung cancer even though they've never smoked sometimes it's just genetics or just bad luck uh, so many factors we don't we don't even really understand the body as much as yeah you know, we think we have just so much that we still don't know about how things happen no i'm uh I, I had a, a torn ACL for 10 years and never even knew it. Uh, so I'm amazed at the human body. And I've also amazed that when I've seen plastic surgeons out at nightclubs or the stand-up uh, club uh, the night before a surgeon or surgery, uh, what do you do? Like when you have a big surgery, what is your... Like the night before, do you, do you go to bed by like eight? Did you have it? How do you prepare for a big surgery? Look, everyone's so different. I mean, I've I've heard of surgeons, like you said, they're out the night before. They're doing, you know, they're snorting cocaine. Yes. All kinds of stuff, right? And I mean, I I barely even drink. <laughs> I, I, in fact, I, I probably rarely, it's a rare day that I'm drinking. Um, and I, I feel like, uh, I owe it to the person to do the best I can. Right. I mean, let's say I'm out and on the off chance, I run into someone like you said, right. I run into someone and they're like, what the fuck, dude, you got surgery the next day. I mean, that's kind of, that's not cool, but I mean, I like, I like to be refreshed. I like to wake up. I, I like to feel good about going in and, and, and working. So but I'm kind of boring. I don't, I don't really go out. No one really invites me to anything. <laughs> I find that very hard to believe. Uh, ah, believe it, believe it. I, it's, it's, it's a rare day. I get invited to something. Now, how, how nervous are you? Like, like with me and my surgery, which I don't know where that fell on the degree of difficulty surgery. You, you didn't seem to be having too much difficulty. Uh, how nervous are you during the procedure? I mean, uh, I mean, you're opening up someone's body to varying degrees, a, a, a nose surgery, a forehead surgery, a, uh, you know, jawline surgery. Do, do you, is your heart rate beating or are you just cool? Like you've done it so many times. 
like if something's going to make me nervous, I probably shouldn't be doing it. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. If, if something is like, oh man, how am I going to do this or that? I probably shouldn't be the one that does it. So I like to feel like pretty confident going in, but um, everyone's different. Everyone's got a different threshold for what they're willing to, to do or to operate on or, um, I, I try to, I want to sleep well at night. I don't, I don't do things unless I feel pretty confident about them. Not to say that they always turn out perfect. That's just not real. I mean, that's just, you know, it's surgery. It's unpredictable sometimes, but yeah, you want to, you want to know that I, I want to get out of there being like, I did the best I could, or I was very qualified to do this. Not like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just did that and potentially ruined this person's life. Well, you're double board certified. So can you explain to uh, the common folk what that means? I don't think it means much, Earl. I think <laughs> it's such a, I think it's, you know, if people only realized how little that means nowadays, uh, I mean, it's such a low standard of qualification for, okay, l- listen, yeah, when you have a medical license, okay, technically, this is what people don't realize, right? You, you go, you go to med school, all you need to do is like one year of training after med school to be able to pull a medical license. All right. So once you get that medical license, it says on it, physician and surgeon, all right. You can technically do whatever the hell you want. Like you could, you could do any surgery you want. You can practice any field in medicine you want. There's like nothing that's stopping you. Now, if let's say you have to do surgeries, I mean, the hospital might stop you. The hospital might have like their own criteria where they're like, oh, well, if you want to do such and such surgery, then you need to have this such and such qualification. But technically, you can do whatever the hell you want. That's scary. Uh, like I can go out tomorrow and do, and do brain surgery. If I can find a, a place or a hospital that allows me to do it. Uh, now board certification, it just means that you jump through a few hoops. Uh, you know, you did a residency in something and took a couple of tests and you passed them and they gave you a board certification. That's all that it means. Do you remember your first surgery? You know, I remember like some of my first surgeries, right? I don't really remember. Like, you mean once I was done and doing it by myself? Right, right. Or like when I very, was, yeah, like very so after training. Yeah, yeah, yeah after like, school. Like not, yeah, after school, after med school, after residency and all that stuff. I, I mean, I remember a few. I don't remember which one was first, but I'm like, oh, that was one of my first. Yeah, I remember some of those. And how often do people uh, go like how often do you check? like with me? I think you check twice just to make sure everything was cool and whatnot. Uh, Does it depend on the surgery? How often you will have someone come back for follow ups? Yeah, it depends on the surgery. It depends on the healing. It depends on the person. Right. Some people want to have more follow-ups than others. Some people just don't want to be bothered. Uh, it's variable. It's not like a standardized thing, but I mean, I like to follow up with people because it's fun for me to also see how things healed and how they're doing. 
Well, I just wanted to do this podcast to get back in touch with you because uh, this know. is your follow up, isn't it? Right? Is you didn't even want to come into the office. You're like, nah, I'll just well, do this podcast and I'll. <laughs> I'll bring my uh, expensive mic in for the follow-up pod. We're going to do a follow-up Ah, oh, Look at that. Look uh, at that. Uh, now, to the business side, and I know you got to go, uh, you know, so I do appreciate you. Uh, not many doctors would take a half hour or so out of their time. Oh, you know, now that I've had a couple of kids, I'm kind of like taking more time to myself and my family. That's also the nice thing about this field. I can kind of turn it down a little bit, turn it up when I want. It's, it gives me more control. Uh, how, like I imagine plastic surgeons in Beverly Hills, uh, almost like real estate agents in Beverly Hills, because I know a few of them and it's very competitive. And outside of word of mouth, do you uh, have like an advertising uh, strategy? Because, you know, it is incredibly, I would imagine in Beverly Hills alone, there's probably what, 100 plastic surgeons? Oh, way more than that. Way more. I mean, so, prob probably, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a few thousand, honestly. And do you realize, I mean, I'm sure celebrity clientele helps, uh, but I guess the celebrities don't want people to know they had surgery. So it's kind of a weird. This is the way I think about it, right? I mean, you're going to charge the same thing for surgery. I mean, I'm not going to charge someone more because they're famous or they're rich. I mean, everyone's basically paying the same thing. So I don't personally care who someone is, right? And I, a lot of times celebrities are total pain in the ass. They just need constant handholding and attention and special treatment. So yeah, we, we get some celebrities here and there, but I don't try to market towards that. You know, some, some people, you know, like, hey, you know, we just had Oscars and all that stuff. You know, there's a lot of plastic surgeons that pay to be in these uh, gifting suites where they'll give away like free liposuction or free whatever treatment, free Botox. And they're actually paying to be in those, in those gifting bags just to maybe get one of these celebrities to come to them. I mean, I don't know. I have you ever seen a celebrity get plastic surgery which, without naming them uh, and go, they look better? Like I, I brought up Jenna Jameson before we started. And to me, she was like uh, my fantasy girl, like in terms of just the California blonde, the tan. And, and then, you know, I think as she got a little older, maybe she felt competition from younger actresses and, she started getting like almost a Mickey Rourke level of surgeries. And it was just like, wow, I wish she didn't get any of that. And I, I'm not saying like, here's the thing, right? I mean, it, it, it's almost like survival of the fittest, right? So a lot of plastic surgery, when you see celebrities, most of them have had something done. I would say, I would, I would argue there's very few people that haven't had anything and yeah, most of them look better and it's, it's a it's self-fulfilling because the ones that look better remain famous, remain relevant. And the ones that look worse sometimes become, you know, kind of kicked to the wayside and nobody hears about them. 
And if it's really extremely bad, like Mickey Rourke, then we'll still talk about it here years later. But think of all the countless people that maybe it didn't turn out great. And now they're just irrelevant. So, so the ones that are, that stay relevant have had good work. Like you, uh, from you. Yeah, look at me. You think this is real? No, like you, who, who knows what I look like underneath this mask of work. Well, I don't want to ask you what you've done, but I mean, I got to say, like, you don't have a wrinkle, a full head of well, hair. Well, plus, you know, it's, well, look, I, uh, full head of hair, right? So I've been on minoxidil, right? Minoxidil is a hair growth. Does that work? I think it works for most people. I mean, I've been on it. I'll tell you my experience. I've been on it for like 25, 25 years now. And uh, last year, I'm like, man, let me stop it. I think I'm okay. Maybe I don't need it. And man, I started losing so much hair. It freaked me out. And I, yeah, I'm like, nah, I'm going back on. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you, you just may not use that. I use finasteride, you know, I've done filler. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I do stuff. I mean, I don't go overboard. I, you know, cause I don't want to be like a freaky looking guy. <laughs> but uh tastefully done why not if it's do, easy do you do it to yourself or do you have someone uh, else do it to myself like a heroin addict in uh in the tenderloin district in san francisco just in a mirror just shoot myself up well, let me say i did a comedy festival in san francisco recently and you just gave me flashbacks that city's out of control but uh yeah. just uh I saw a lot of a lot. Um, We're not far behind over here, but yeah. Well, I noticed Beverly Hills has no homeless people. This has nothing to do with plastic surgery. But I think they all push them to my neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, they probably do. Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, this the state's changing, that's for sure. But uh, doctor, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, oh, my pleasure, Earl. You're nice to talk to. Well, I just, even though we've only spoken maybe three or four times uh, ever, I just remember how amazing you made me feel, um, even though I'm sure my surgery was relatively easy in terms of, uh, do people, uh, skin cancer, big uh, surgery just because of the sun out here? It plays a role. I mean, you're uh, a couple of shades darker than albino, right? And you're not a... You're not, so you're not meant to be in the sun, Earl. Let's be honest. You're meant to be a cave dweller or maybe like living in Scotland or wherever your people are from. I don't look good tan. I, I don't get tan. I get red. Yeah. So, so like, uh, which is why I'm amazed at Hulk Hogan, how he hasn't had about 58 uh, cases in melanoma. He's, he's very dark, Hulk Hogan. Uh, What's the worst thing as a surgeon you can tell? We'll end on a, like a public service announcement. Uh, the people who sun a lot, you know, like to me, the sun dries the skin out. But it really, what does the sun actually do to your face if you tan too much? It's a lot, I, I don't want to be too much of a hypocrite too, because honestly, I'm not that great about the sun or putting sunblock on, but. Yeah, it's damaging, but there's a lot of things that are damaging. It's one of those things to me, it's like we live in LA, right? And we have horrible air quality. 
But as long as we're like in it together, it doesn't seem to bother anyone. Right. Cause it's really like, but imagine now if like West Hollywood, just West Hollywood had shit air quality and the rest of LA, it was pristine. People would be in an uproar, uproar. Right. So I feel that that's how things like that are air quality, the sun, yeah, look, it helps. It's sure we can smother on a bunch of sunblock and, you know, wear a hat and be really careful. And of course it helps, but we all have to kind of choose how we want to live our life and what risks we're willing to take. One last question about hair. What's minoxidil's competition? Like I only really hear about minoxidil. Is there a, like a competing chemical that does the same thing? Okay, so yeah, minoxidil, there's finasteride, which is a pill. It works different. So they actually, you can take them together. They don't work the same way. How does there's the lots of, work? what's that? How does the pill work? You just take it and your hair grows? Yeah, what it does is it blocks the conversion of a certain type of, of testosterone to another type of testosterone. And, you know, that kind of, and just to not bore you, it, uh, that testosterone that's blocked is toxic to hair follicles. So they think, um, so minoxidil, they don't even know hundred percent how it works. There's all kinds of theories, but they don't know. There's all kinds of natural stuff. If you kind of Google hair growth remedies, you'll find like tons of different things. Minoxidil has just been around forever. It's, it's just, it's expensive to get something FDA approved. So there's other things out there that aren't technically FDA approved, but maybe some people will use them off label or, yeah, or well, you have the most amazing head of hair outside. Oh, of man, but you know, I've got like hair greed. I would still love to have more hair. That's how it works. I'm like, give me more hair. So I mean, I got most of mine. I got a big forehead. Yeah, you got good hair. Yeah. I mean, it's a little gray where you know, but uh, I got a big forehead too. You know, I wouldn't mind if my forehead was like here, but. Such is my life. There's so many things I'd change about me if I could easily. What would you change? Okay, so I know you're confident and all. What would you change about yourself? I mean, I'm a pretty honest guy. Uh, um, see, my head is so big that uh, it, everything fits. Like, my nose is big. Uh, like, if I had your size head and this nose... I'd probably get it not necessarily. My head is big too. What are you talking about? I got a giant head. I mean, I guess to be brutally honest, uh, I work out every day, hot yoga, weights, uh, five, six mile hikes. And I still have a bit of a, well, I'm 53, not a belly, but you know, the six pack ain't what it used to be. I mean, but I'm so uh, into this mindset of, I don't want to cheat. I don't, you know, if this is what my stomach is, if this is the best my stomach looks at 53, I'm okay with that. Cause I'm not a you're living. Girl. You're living with honor, Earl. You're living, you're, you're a man of honor and dignity. Well, it's listen, rare. It's uh, rare in this city. I've been, a, it is it, get into standup comedy. It, it's gotta be faker than any business on earth. Uh, but like, uh, I've been approached by, uh, you know, I go to some uh, vitamin injection stores, you know, for the vitamin D and, and uh, 
lean B shots. And uh, they're like, dude, you should get on TRT. Your life will change. Uh, you'll get more muscular and all that stuff. And your, your sex drive, which probably has decreased a little bit, to be honest with you at 53. Uh, but I, I don't want to take anything. Uh, well, first of all, the guy lost me when he said your, your testicles shrink. If you take it, that, that lost me. Uh, yeah. Cause you can't, you don't have much to, uh, to spare. I'm assuming. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess being 53, uh, but you know, everything works maybe, uh, not as often as it used to. Uh, so I would change maybe my, uh, my inner, uh, the way you feel, maybe your, your energy and sex drive. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, uh, if there was a natural way to, uh, approach that, uh, cause I know that in I'll wrap it up. Uh, my favorite mixed martial arts fighter was this guy named Dan Henderson. And uh, I think he won a title when he was 46 and he looked amazing. Like he looked completely uh, jacked. And then uh, the UFC uh, changed the rule where uh, fighters couldn't take TRT anymore. And within six months, he looked like a deflated tire. Um, yeah, man, I, I have, I know guys like that and they're all jacked and they feel great. You know, it's fun. My wife right now, she's pregnant and we're having a boy and yes. you know, it kind of gives you, gives you a, a jolt of testosterone when you're having a boy and you're pregnant. And she's like, man, I feel great. I'll feel great, man. As soon as I'm, as soon as this baby's out of me, I'm going to get testosterone shots. <laughs> it feels so good. Uh, look, I don't know what's right. Right. I mean, at a certain point, our body just kind of stops working or working as well. And do we give it a little bit of a boost? I don't know. Like I, I don't take anything like that, even though I, I have a, a bunch of friends who do, uh, but I, I don't, I don't think I'd be kind of totally close to it if things deteriorated, if I'm being honest. Oh, no. I mean, like in the hot yoga class, I take, uh, I'm, I'm probably the oldest guy there, uh, you know, by 10 years. And uh, I, I get a lot sore than I used to. Like I took a class this morning and, you know, I'm hurting right now. Of course, 10 years ago, I could play five hockey games and be fine. So I'm, uh, probably more open to, uh, not steroids, certainly, but, uh, you know, alternative medicine to maybe give me an inner. Look, inner it's, it's got, it's, you think of it this way, right? If you went and you got your blood tested and they're like, Hey Earl, your testosterone level is really low. Uh, and your body's just not making enough. And that's why you're feeling this way. Maybe you'd be like, yeah, you know what? Why not? I mean, I just wanted to get to be normal, right? You're not trying to be Superman, but you're like, well, maybe I'll just take enough for it to be in the normal range. Uh, and is there something wrong with that? No. I mean, what's the difference between that and any other thing that we do for ourselves to, to try to stay healthy? Yeah. I mean, I'm say, not like, when I was, when I was a teenager, I could eat the whole 16 inch pizza all by myself and wouldn't even affect me. And now you kidding me. Like if I have any gluten or dairy or soy or anything, I'm a, I'm a hot mess. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> so we just, we change and you know, we could decide, all right, are we going to change this about ourselves or, or modify this or that. And the key is like, okay, just because we're okay with one thing and we're not okay with the other thing, it doesn't mean we should judge a person 
who's okay with the thing that we're not okay with. Oh, hundred percent. I, when I worked out, uh, at, uh, I don't know why I'm saying the name of the gym family fitness on Pico and uh, Roxbury. There was a guy name drop. Here we go. What are you getting for that? A free month? Oh no, they, they're yeah. out of business. <laughs> I know they're close. 20 years. <laughs> I think he went there. Uh, <laughs> but there was a guy who was taking steroids and he was taking, he told me the same dosage that they gave an 800 pound bull to fatten them up. And, uh, you know, I, who, like you said, who am I to judge? It's his body, his choice. He was gigantic um, and he was happy. And then he died of a heart attack. But uh, I don't get certain things. I don't know why some people are all tatted up. It's not my thing. But at the same time, it's their body. They're not hurting anyone else by doing so. I mean, knock yourself out. You want to get facial tattoos? Go for it. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not for me, but like you said, and, and I probably learned something from this uh, podcast. They have not judging people. Maybe Mickey Rourke is happy how he looks. Who am I to sit there and, uh, you know, judge him. And it's like when I met the boxer Tex Cobb, who uh, he's, he's probably, you're too young to remember him probably, but he was famous for fighting Larry Holmes and really not throwing a punch. He just wanted to survive the fight. That was his goal was I'm going to last 15 rounds with the champ. And he was so funny in the interview after he started getting movie roles and uh, he had all the cartilage taken out of his nose. So when he fought, they couldn't break his nose anymore. <laughs> Who am I to judge? That sounds yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Doctor, where can, I want to get you some business from this podcast. Uh, I'm okay, Earl. I'm don't, not into that. Don't worry. I'm not doing, I don't do stuff like this for, to promote myself. I honestly just do it because it's fun for me. But I'm a giver and I appreciate your time. And uh, let me, uh, let me ask you this then. Appreciate where, yours. Do you like pe people contacting you on, on Instagram maybe? Or, or if someone was interested in maybe some cosmetic enhancements should they uh go on your website or how do you like people to contact you uh look it's if people yeah we're in a field where if people want to find you they find you it's not that hard to find me so uh yeah i mean everyone's on instagram now right every plastic surgeon needs to have an instagram um Sure. But, you know, I hope this was at least enlightening for people. Well, it is. And I would say, look, it's uh, it's like you said, the big takeaway is we got to be careful how we judge and what we what we say to people, because that might stick with them forever. We might be the reason why somebody a word we said might be the reason why somebody wants to go get plastic surgery. Oh, sure. Have you ever been approached about a, a botched type of show? Because you're a very good looking guy. You're very, um, uh, very well spoken. Uh, have you, would you ever do a show like, uh, not necessarily like botched? But I don't know. Uh, Cause I, I'd like to be kind of under, I, I don't like being, I don't think I would enjoy being well known or famous, right? I don't want people to recognize me when I'm bumming down the street wearing like some wife beater. Uh, so, 
So, I mean, look, there's, there's surgeons out there. That's their goal, right? They want to be famous. They want to have a show and they have PR people and marketing people. They have a whole team of social media people. And I, I don't do any of that. I honestly, I do my own social media literally by myself. I, I don't really do anything. We don't, we don't pay for marketing or PR and I think like those surgeons that are on those shows, that's, that's just their goal. It's really not my goal. I just want to, you know, try to live a peaceful life. <laughs> well, uh, just one more time for the people who want to find you on Instagram. Uh, what is your uh, handle as they say in the business? Oh, Dr. Gall MD. Uh, guys, if you're thinking about plastic surgery, this is the guy. He didn't pay me to say this, but he made me feel so at ease digging into my didn't pay you yet. No, I could never take money from you. And who knows? He'll come in for a little little chop of my big nose, but uh, in a wrinkle here. You know, I still have acne scars, and I'm very. It's funny you talk about one word could uh, change someone's decision to get surgery or not. I'm still self conscious about my acne acne scars. I have those too acne scars and no one sees them. So I get why people. Yeah. I, I remember I had a second cousin who told me that like 10 years after the fact, I asked her, I'm like, why are you wearing so much makeup? And she told me that 10 years prior, I said, I made a funny joke about an, like a pimple she had. And since then she's been so insecure about her skin. And I had zero recollection. I mean, I was like 15 at the time, you know, I had zero recollection of what I said. And there, like 10 years later, this girl is still walking around insecure because of what I said. Well, I mean, words can't hurt. And I know you didn't mean that uh, in your. No, of course. That's, you, you know how we are when we're 15. I mean, we just say random stupid shit just to try to be funny sometimes or get a rise out of people. And, and yeah, we don't we just don't know. Well, I think nowadays uh, bullying, not that you certainly weren't bullying, uh, but, you know, I was bullied in high school. But now it's and that was just face to face now with, you know, keyboards at your home. I think, yeah, you know. I, I never, I, I was an anti-bully. I, I remember how many fights, like literal fist fights I got with people who were bullying others. But you, as a guy, you still joke around and make jokes. And even though you don't have an intention to be a bully, maybe your words can hurt someone. And, and I mean, there's a difference between bullying, which is kind of like a constant beratement and, and like just one funny comment that could hurt someone. But, you know, it's hard to know what effect it's going to have on a person. I'm not saying, like, let's not joke around in this world. It's just um, those are sometimes the consequences. Oh, they and they hurt, you know, so uh, stop bullying. And if you've got any physical abnormalities, go see Dr. G. He's the best. Uh, he's just one of the good ones in a business that I imagine is a lot like comedy. There's some good ones and a lot of bad ones, but, uh, uh it's like you said, this, that any field can be dirty and this could be dirty too. Well, I can imagine, uh, the shenanigans that people try and do behind your back to, uh, get, uh, you know, it's very much like, uh, a facial, uh, 
businesses, you know, you just go get a facial. I know they're cutthroat, leaving bad Yelp reviews on another business's facial site. And, uh, but doctor, you are truly, truly one of the good ones. And, uh, I hope I see you at the comedy store sooner than later. Thanks, and, man. Thanks, man. I came by the other night. And how was uh, it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was fun. We, we left early because my wife who was like eight months pregnant. She just had horrible heartburn. And of course, I wasn't a good enough husband to keep a roll of Tums in my pocket at the time. So <laughs> we left early, but it was fun. It's fun. Well, it'll be an honor to have you as my guest when I'm there. Uh, and when the wife, after the baby is congratulations. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a very good looking baby. I, I, I can only imagine. It better be. Otherwise, we're giving it back. Well, uh, this it back, forget it. We, I don't need that in my life. No, no, we just give them the nip tuck. When, when is uh, last thing? I swear I said last thing 10 minutes ago. Uh, what, what is the youngest person you would do surgery on, uh, like a cosmetic surgery? Uh, it depends. You know, I mean, like, for example, ear stuff. Oh, here, my son, right, who was born. And uh, when he was born, his, his ear, and this is a common thing, the top of his ear was just a little floppy, right? right? Just a tiny bit floppy. So I took literally just took some putty and put it inside the ear to shape it and kept it there for a few days to support the cartilage so it doesn't stay floppy and it fixed it. All right. That's a cosmetic intervention. Technically, um, did it help them? Will it help them? Who knows? I remember like when we when we were kids. There was a kid, um, actually, even recently, because uh, I remember running into him a few years ago. So, you know, we're in our 40s and he's got a little bit of a floppy ear and his best friend calls him floppy for floppy ear. Right? That's his best friend calling him that. And so, you know, it's like what what can come out of a minor little thing? Who knows? Well, let's end it on that. I know you probably have a surgery or something important to do. Man, I'm going to go spend time with my kids now. That's well, what I'm going to do. As you should. And I appreciate you more than I can ever, ever let you know, uh, because you've made a very self-conscious person about scars feel a lot better. And I hope to see you again soon. Thank you. More than words can say, you're the best. Oh, thanks, Earl, man. Nice chatting with you. All right, best of luck. Talk soon. I'll need it with my act. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> All right, take care.